Welcome into the His and Hers podcast. I'm Zach Bennett alongside my sister Paige. And today we have a wonderful episode for you covering all of the NBA news, including the Victor Wembenyama sweet states going to the San Antonio Spurs. We also talk about a great game one between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Denver Nuggets and what we think it'll mean for the series moving forward. And we give a little bit of a preview for the Eastern Conference Finals between the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat for the second year in a row. That's all here next on the His and Hers Podcast. Alrighty, buddy, pal. Um, that was a fun game one, but before we dive into Lakers Nuggets and what we saw out of that first matchup, Victor Wembinyama, I think I'm saying that name correctly. I think he hit it right on the dot, is a spur. I thought it was really funny. You don't see it very often. Obviously, everyone knows he's the number one pick. Um, there's a few drafts that or are like that. Shock everybody and not pick him. That would be that would be crazy. But I just found it funny where uh, it, he was holding a party in France. Uh, to essentially the draft lottery lottery was to see where he was going to go. It wasn't, you don't see that very often where they're holding a draft party for the draft order for the player. Yeah. So uh, that was interesting. Obviously the Spurs have a long history of like the French convention with, you know, Tony Parker primarily being there. Uh, So there's a lot of fan interest in that country. I think Victor even said that uh, when he was being interviewed. So goes to a situation with a great coach and Greg Popovich and into an organization that's done historically really well with foreign players and an interesting spot and one that would be unbelievable uh, if it worked out for the Spurs, because if you remember their last number one pick was Tim Duncan, uh, that worked out pretty well. Uh, wouldn't you say Paige? Yeah, I think that uh, that might be a recognizable name. Yeah. But overall, what do you think about him ending up on the Spurs? Are you a fan of it? Do you really care? Uh, What are your takeaways from that? Yeah, I mean, we always love when there's a cool prospect that is like kind of like the next, uh, the next, I mean, he's being talked about as being like the next LeBron, the next Michael. So it's always super exciting. Obviously, Zion kind of had that same type of buildup in terms of like, uh, people expected him to do really great things. And like, he's been a great player, but not that like he hasn't been like, uh, sensational. And so, you know, it's always fun to kind of watch this, but I think that there is an element to this that we didn't have with Zion. So it's exciting. Obviously a lot of upset, uh, Utah jazz fans over here in Utah, everyone was kind of hoping that we would have that 4.7% chance of winning the lottery go Utah's way. Um, but aside from that, I mean, obviously just excited to see what he does in the league, but, um, I'm too invested currently in the current playoffs to really care as much about the draft lottery as I would like would normally. Um, I just think that the NBA needs to do it like the NFL and they need to do that in the off season. Yeah, it is really interesting how I think the season being so long, you know, the draft lottery, you know, going happening 30 minutes before the tip, but it broke down where there was primarily Four teams, that were, five teams were in the mix. You had Detroit, Houston, Portland, Charlotte, and San Antonio. Detroit ended up, they, I believe, going into it, they had the highest chance, or at least they were tied for the highest chance. They end up with the fifth pick. Then it goes Houston, number four, Portland, number three, Charlotte, number two, and then San Antonio wins it. 
obviously I had this conspiracy in my head that that they were going to try and rig it for the Bulls. I don't even see the Bulls on there. See, th- this is what gets really confusing about the NBA draft is like there was teams that had a chance, but if it didn't fall a certain way, that they that they weren't even going to be in the mix. I don't know how it all works. I know that's just a bunch of ping pong balls that pop out of the thing and determines the destination. But I think the I think I'm going there is probably the one of the best places for his career. But overall, probably not the most exciting. I don't know. It's not like I'm juiced up. There's not really I know Keldon Johnson is on the Spurs, but obviously they've been down for the last couple of years. And I don't really know many guys on that team. I think it's probably two, three years away unless he is some ultra generational guy from where we see some real meaningful San Antonio Spurs basketball. Yeah. Only time will tell. Only time will tell, but we just finished up with a great game one. We'll talk about the future, but now we are in the present page. What was your biggest takeaway from game one, a barn burner. I'm going to give you this stat. Uh, Nicole Jokic finished with, uh, over 30 points, over 20 rebounds, and I think got 10 assists. He is only the uh, – he has two of them. In 2021, he did it against Phoenix. He did it again tonight. And um, the only other place to do it, Wilt Chamberlain in 1967 against Cincinnati. Didn't even know they had an NBA team back in the day. And then Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in 1970 versus New York. And they only did it once, and he has now done it twice just a unique talent and overall a tremendous game from the two-time MVP yeah obviously as a LeBron slash Lakers fan those first three quarters were a bit rough um but I mean exciting play by the Denver Nuggets obviously I think there's cause for alarm for both teams um in this and there's also cause for like excitement for both teams Obviously, the Nuggets being able to come out, Jokic being able to have such an incredible rebounding game right from the get-go was absolutely incredible. The amount of rebounds he was getting, the shots that uh, the Nuggets were getting off, and the fact that they had a widespread of their players all getting shots up, Porter, Murray, Jokic, like Brown, all of them were able to get shots off, make them, make them in pivotal moments and really keep the momentum on the Nuggets side. Obviously, the Lakers only led um, from the initial basket 2-0 and they didn't lead the rest of the game. Um, and, and Jokic and team did a great job of moving the ball, utilizing the slow transition defense of the Lakers and getting back and scoring and making those points count. Um, so really a lot of exciting things. If you're a Nuggets fan, looking at that, looking at that first three quarters, um, obviously fourth quarter is kind of where you see a lot of better things. I think the second half overall, the Lakers should be happy with in terms of what they were able to do um, in defense. Um, I think that they found that Vanderbilt being down there was a really good play for them, but more importantly, um, Hachimura. I think that him coming out in the in the third and fourth quarter and he had some big plays was able to uh, make it so that he could put um, pressure on Jokic, which would open up Anthony Davis on the offensive end. Um, and so I think that the Lakers kind of found an answer there to kind of figure out how to get Anthony Davis involved in the offense in the second half. Um, obviously, the Lakers are able to climb back from a pretty intense deficit um what was the actual what was the largest lead that the nuggets had at one point there of 21 i believe that was in the beginning of the third 
uh, and then they, uh, you know, it got down to a three-point game, 126-129, where LeBron, 40 seconds left, takes a three instead of, you know, driving. Jamal Murray had five fouls, so there's been a lot of talk already that I've seen on social media about why LeBron took that shot. I, I wanted to hit a home I, on a point that you made. The biggest adjustment that was made by Darvin Ham was bringing in Rui, who I think is is, is kind of underrated in his size. He's a, he's close to six ten, but he's so nimble that he you know he plays a lot of at the three instead of the four or five. But they he was matched up. What they did is they put him on Jokic, which allowed. Anthony Davis to be on Aaron Gordon and much like uh, Anthony Davis was off of Draymond Green, they'll give Aaron Gordon the three. Not that he won't hit one or two that that are annoying, but it allows Anthony Davis to hang out in the paint to protect the rim uh, and to be more of a deterrent for Jokic playing bully ball and getting those weird little floaters or what Jokic loves to do, dribble down real low, get, catch a cutter, hit it, you know, try to get the out to the three because he has Anthony Davis protecting the rim. I would be shocked if they don't trot out a lineup that has Rui starting and he doesn't play over well over 35 minutes the next game. It'll be interesting to see what the Nuggets counter with. You know, maybe they put in a, a Rui in more pick and rolls to make him on the primary ball, you know, ball handler like Jamal Murray and put him in some fortunate situations or, or, you know, so it'd be interesting to see if they make Gordon screen. So then AD is on, uh, on Jamal Murray as well. Like what the Warriors did with Stephen Curry and had some success as well. I guess that's always the the fun, the most fun part about these playoff series is watching the chess. All the adjustments that each coach forward. makes. Um, exactly. Each adjustment is made. Yeah. It's, it's fun to watch. That's what I think. I mean, that's something I love about NBA basketball, right? It's just watching the transitions that each coach will make uh, according to quarter by quarter and just seeing like when those matchups work out and when they don't. Um, Obviously, I mean, I think another element of this, like playing in Mile High City, there's an element of that. They're undefeated at home, this playoff run. Um, And I mean, so are the Lakers. And so I think that that is we're, we'll see if that ends up being the thing that kind of determines the series is that home court advantage um, because both of these teams are undefeated in their home courts over the course of the playoffs. And they're also able to, I think the biggest benefit for, for both of these teams is that you obviously have some key name players, but as we've talked about before, the biggest benefit for the Nuggets and the Lakers is they both have a deep bench in terms of like, they have multiple players that they can pull off the bench and use in a variety of ways and actually trust that these people will not only play good defense in those moments, but that they'll also be able to convert a few buckets on offense. And so I think that's going to be the most interesting thing with the Nuggets is that with a team like the Warriors or a team like the Suns that they were playing the last round, it's like every adjustment you make, you kind of know what the other team is like. You kind of know that the other team is tapped like the Warriors bench not that deep so the Lakers were kind of able to know what to expect and what type of adjustment Steve Kerr was going to make and the same thing for the Suns right it's like if you can just get Katie and Booker under control then you're going to win those games and so I think that's going to be the kind of most interesting thing to see between these Nuggets and the Lakers this series is that with both teams having a deep um, bench. It's going to be cool to see how the different coaches are able to utilize that bench to win different games and go up at different times in each of the games. Yeah, it's interesting. You look at the role players for the Nuggets. Obviously, talk touched on that stat line: thirty-four points for 
Jokic, 31 for Jamal Murray. But he had key contributions very spread out. 12 points for Aaron Gordon, 15 for Michael Porter, 21 from Contavious Caldwell-Pope, the former Laker, and then 16 from Bruce Brown, uh, who had a terrific game in only 24 minutes, putting up 16 points, exactly the type of role that he's been able to flourish uh, with the Nuggets and with the Nets in years prior. The Lakers, what's interesting is how shrunk their rotation has gotten. Obviously, everyone talks about the trades that they made at the halfway point, and, and they're all very validated and true. But you look at it, you know, Reeves was already on the team, LeBron's on the team, Anthony Davis was already on the team. They all played over 40 minutes. The bit intruder was on the team as well, 32 minutes. Uh, D'Angelo Russell and Rui were, were gotten at the deadline or the week before. They were their second contributors. But, you know, Vanderbilt, Troy Brown Jr., Bamba, uh, they all were guys that that had been key parts of the rotation at different points, and they didn't see the they didn't see the court. and And it's just interesting to see how they have settled in to their roles on this team, and where Rui had a great Memphis series, but it wasn't really a matchup in the, against the Warriors that he could flourish in. But now that Denver is a much bigger team. And he's a bigger guy. You'll see where he'll probably play a lot more. And I wouldn't be shocked if Lonnie Walker's trotted out there and playing 20 minutes in the game just for defensive. I, I would, I, in my opinion, I would suspect that Jared Vanderbilt's minutes will go up from the 10 he played today. Lonnie Walker's will go down, and you'll see an increase in Ruiz as well. Because D'Angelo Russell, I didn't even see him in the fourth quarter. I don't even know if he played in the fourth quarter. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see that adjustment that is made. Yeah, it's also interesting to see because like D'Angelo Russell is just kind of that player where it's like he just has games where he's just off and he doesn't convert well. He doesn't play well. He doesn't score well. That was tonight. He wasn't able to in the first in the first half. He's coming out. He's just not putting anything in. And so it's like game two, D'Angelo Russell could come out. They could keep him in the starting lineup and he could score 15 in the first half. And so it's just interesting to see how these different Lakers. You can can almost tell with him like the first couple shots. Like it's just like the strangest thing. You can just, oh, this isn't a D'Angelo Russell game. And yep. I feel like if you're him, you just got to pull him. Like, yeah, yeah. It just it's on his day. But you know who's always pulling through through the Lakers is Austin Reeves. I mean, give Hillbilly Kobe his flowers because that guy, every game will have plays that have a major impact on the outcome of the game, win or lose. Yes. Just I agree with you. Hold reliable there. I, you know, there's a lot of stats that are, that are interesting. Number one is both teams shot incredibly well. The Nuggets aren't known for a defensive team. So what makes me curious about if the adjustment that Darvin Ham was able to make, but Michael Malone is no slouch. He's going to be able to review and, and kind of throw a counter to what they were able to find success in at the end of that game. But both shot, look at this, look at these splits. They both shot overall 54%. One Lakers were 54.8. The Nuggets were 54.9. The three-pointers, the Lakers are 11 for 24 at 55.8%. The Nuggets were at 15 for 32 at 46.9%. Uh, I mean, these are these are nip and tuck. The, the free throw disparity was only four. The Lakers attempted four more and shot 88% from the line. So when you boil this game down, what's crazy about basketball, you boil it down to they played 48 minutes. It was competitive throughout. And in, in reality, it came down to two shots. Went like, The two shots went in for the Nuggets, and there was a couple that 
you know, those one footed, the, the Jokic before the end of the third and then Jamal Murray before the end of the shot clock, both were threes, both went in and changed the entirety of the game. And LeBron James three, when they were down three rattles in and out, boom, there's your ball game. It's just unbelievable. And I just think this is a series that's going to go seven. If, if those stats, if that score isn't any indication of what's going to happen this series, uh, I think just seeing that it really came down to a couple shots going in for the Nuggets that are low percentage but fell, and a couple that just didn't go in for the Lakers. And I know that sounds simplistic, but if you watch the game, it was it never felt, even though the Nuggets, they led by double digits probably 80% of that game, I'd say, maybe even closer to 90%, but it never felt like the Lakers were ever out of that game, and obviously they never were, and they almost – almost came, you know, a shot or two away from stealing that basketball game, which would have been massive for him. I know. We love a seven-game series, especially in the Western Conference Finals. So let's go. Let's get it. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun, I think. I think it'll be a lot of fun. But looking over on the east side, so they uh, the Lakers will play every other day. They go Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, I believe. I, I believe that when you get to the, the Conference Finals, it just rotates every other day. So we we are in store for a lot of fun tomorrow or today. When you're listening to this, we got the Heat and the Celtics. If you remember last year, it went seven games, and it came very very close to the Heat actually advancing in the playoffs. So Jimmy Butler, it was a I, I remember the Celtics were up ten. I believe it was like ninety seconds left, and then there was just a flurry of mistakes made by them. Jimmy Butler doing his Jimmy Butler things. And he had a pull up three when the when the clock was you know almost at zero and it and it hit off the front of the rim I believe and they ended up losing. But the zombie Celtic or the zombie Heat are back in this position. They are underdogs massively. I believe the Celtics are minus five fifty to win the series, which is just insane. What do you make of this series? And do you give the Heat any chance? To beat Jimmy or to beat Jason Tatum coming off a 51 point performance and the Boston Celtics. I mean, everyone knows I'm a big Jimmy B fan. I always root for Jimmy B. Yeah, he commands a presence. There is he commands a presence. And there is an element of that that I don't know. I think that the Heat, honestly, and Jimmy B tend to perform better when there are low expectations for them performance-wise, and so I think that that's all going to work out for the Heat's favor. Um, I think, obviously, the Celtics coming back and beating um, Embiid and the 76ers in such an intense series um, is obviously making people like even more hyped up on the Celtics. I think what the Celtics have done, obviously, is incredible to come back from that deficit and be able to win that series um, with the favorited 76ers was a major movement a moment, and I think that they're going to have a lot of momentum based off of that. But what I think is that there is an element of the Celtics coming off such a highly emotional series um, in the semifinals round that I think can play to the Heat's benefit in this series. Um, sure. Obviously, like just coming off of that, uh, Tatum has a huge game and they just went through an uphill battle against the 76ers to come out on top. And so I think that there's an element that you could see of the Celtics being a bit more fatigued than the Heat. Um, and that could be an advantage for Jimmy B and his team to be able to kind of take this series and get control of it um, in the first few games. And if the Heat are able to get on top, if they're able to get one of those wins at home, be able to split those first two, go get two wins back in Miami, 
Um, I think that that's the recipe for success for them. I think if they go down 2-0 to the Celtics um, in these first two games, then it's going to be a recipe for disaster for them. But I don't count the heat out. I love an eight seed. I love an underdog. And I love Jimmy B. Yeah, I think I view it this way. You only have to win four of the games, right? You just got to win four of the seven. You just got to have four go your way. I think the Celtics are inconsistent, but if you looked at the last series, they lost both coin toss games or or two of the three coin toss games to the Celtics uh, with James Harden hitting two game winner threes uh, to get those those wins. So if I look at the series against the Heat, I think they're going to blow the doors off the Heat in two of the games. I think two of the games are going to be 15 to 20 point games just because of the talent disparity. I think whether you go like your full eight, you go the best players, they're going to have a lot of guys that throw Jimmy Butler. Uh, So I just think two of the games are going to get blown out. There's going to be two games that Jimmy Butler is going to put him in position to win the game. So whether they can just win those games, so say it's 2-2, then it's going to come down to the best of three. I I really do believe that's going to come down to that. They're going to win two really easily. There's going to be two Jimmy Butler games because he always seems to have that in every series. It's going to come down to the three games. Which role player is going to step up? Are you going to have Gabe Vincent? Are you going to have Duncan Robinson? Um, are Are you going to have to counter that with, you know, a Malcolm Brogdon game, a Derek White game who saw his minutes go down you know does Robert Williams come in and play really well for the Celtics uh encounter what Bam's able to do so I think this series is going to go a little bit longer than a lot of people anticipate I I think six would wouldn't be shocking if the Celtics went in and and finished it up in Miami in six but if this went seven also wouldn't be shocking as well like you said well and I think something to take into consideration here is like coaching too. Like coaching plays oh, a huge Spolstra's role in these the best coach things. left in the playoffs. And exactly. And you've got Eric Spolstra. He is a championship coach. He's got he's been in this position many, many times. You put him up against Joe Missoula, and I just like I choose Eric Spolstra in every single one of those matchups. Yeah. Well, it's just like all the adjustments that he made against the Knicks, right? In game uh four that they lost and Jalen or game five that they lost in Madison Square Garden, Jalen Brunson played 48 minutes. So what does he do in game six? He picks up Jalen Brunson full court every single time down the court just to make him work even more for the entire time that he's playing. And there's a lot, you know, more intricate things that he did, but it's just, he just is always a step ahead, the other coach. And with Joe Mazzula, he made some nice adjustments there in game six and seven. But it always seems like he's more reactionary instead of uh, proactive in his approach, you know. And that, you know, that goes into a lot of the frustrations that you hear from Celtics fans with him. And I, I think you're right. I think the talent, I think the talent disparity farly outweighs towards the Celtics, but the coaching disparity is so heavily on the Heat that it does even it out more than I think people fully understand. Agreed. What is your prediction, though? What do you think is going to happen for the for the series? Uh, okay, I I'm sticking with my initial one, and I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be Denver versus Heat in the NBA Finals. So you do think the Heat are going to pull it off? I think they are. In how many games? I think in six. The Heat are going to win in six. Yeah, I think the Heat will win in six, and I think the Lakers uh, Nugget series will go seven. I do think this first game will tell me a ton about how this series is going to go because the the, the Heat haven't played since Friday. 
And like you mentioned, the Celtics are coming off a game seven that they just finished on Sunday. Now, Jason Tatum's coming off with a lot of confidence with his fourth quarter in game six and his 51 point new record. I just think it's funny. It never happened before. And then in a matter of two weeks, it happened twice. Multiple times. 50 point game sevens. Uh, so he's got a lot of confidence coming into this. I, I I do think it just depends on what Mark Smart are you getting? Is Derek White's confidence going to be back? He had a great Atlanta series, but didn't play very well uh, against the Philadelphia 76ers. So I do think the Celtics are going to get it done. I just think their talent is so far greater than what the, the Heat are trotting out there, especially with Tyler Hero hurt. You know, you got undrafted guys like Max Struess, Duncan Robinson playing heavy minutes. It's just, I think eventually that catches up to you in the NBA. Eventually it's got to matter, right? Just maybe not until the next season. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, just when looks, it'll, that's when it'll catch up. The Cinderella run will end. Yeah. Once the season ends. That's exactly. Fair. That's fair. <laughs> All right. That's so the nut, you have the nuggets and the heat. I, I, I've, I guess I would just say the nuggets and the Celtics, but. But I mean, we all know LeBron's going to get his fifth championship. Really? So, well, you know what the story would be if the Lakers Celtics end up playing in the championship. Can you imagine? I mean, people are going to be pissed because there's, you know, like the whole trend last year with the NFL script, you know, talking about a script and there, and there was a pardon or a barstool podcast who they had Aaron Foster, the old running back talk about how they got, he got a, a script dropped off and he was obviously saying it in jest. I mean, if you listen to the tone and everything, it was just so clear, but it got it blew up on social media that the NFL is scripted. If the NBA, if you look at it, that well, is what LeBron plays the Celtics 18 you have, years later. You have 17 championships <laughs> for 17 championships. Lakers, Celtics, LeBron fifth ring, Celtic, you know, Celtics trying to get their first in 20 years. I mean, yeah, you couldn't be more cheesy with the headlines. Like it would mm-hmm. even me would be like, that seems a little weird. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. So if the NBA wants to prove that they're not scripted, put Nuggets heat. Well, after all the documentaries around ref uh, experience in the NBA, I'm sure we're all a little bit wary of the the NBA yeah. draw. And then there's yeah, been like add to the narrative. And there's been like rumors that LeBron has had camera crews around this season because he's known that it's it's started to get like feelings it was going to be special. Like obviously he passed Kareem, so there's a lot of coverage for that. Then they're making this deep run in year 20. I mean, that would just be that'd be that'd be different. All of a sudden, the Celtics, or the Celtics Lakers are playing, and you find out that they're going to release a ten-part documentary on LeBron, and it's just like, oh. Next week, we'll dive into all the conspiracy theories regarding NBA. I think there's a lot of legitimate. I don't know. I think what was the name of that ref, Tim? Uh, what was his name? Who was caught forever ago? Tim Donahue. Tim Donahue. Yeah. Yeah, that has made I watched that documentary over Christmas break and now I've gone to about a 30 NBA games since then and I just sat in every game going this is rigged this is rigged, this is rigged. that guy's rigged <laughs> I'm watching game five of the Lakers Warriors when they call the first five second rule on LeBron James that I've seen called the entire NBA season didn't even know that rule still existed and I was like this is rigged they're trying to get the Warriors to win well it's really funny um I, I follow a lot of Laker people on Twitter and I even follow a lot of uh, just NBA accounts. And so then they do that for you page where they put a bunch of tweets and there's this ref, Eric Lewis, 
who I have seen. So he ref game seven between Philly and Boston. And I found out that apparently his family are massive Celtics fans. And he like grew up a Celtic fan mm. for his entire life. And so all the 76 er fans like, oh, of course, that they're going to sign this closeted lifelong Celtic fan to a game seven. So I, I was laughing at that, you know, and I don't know. I don't know what's true or not. But then today I get I get on Twitter and I see that Eric Luce has been assigned to the Laker game. And everyone's like, oh, this year LeBron and AD are one in five in games ref by Eric Lewis. And I'm just like, man, if there is a ringleader, I guess Eric Lewis would be your, <laughs> your Celtic lover. You have Scott Foster. He's been nicknamed the extender to go into series and make them last one more game. And he, you know, it's just kind of funny. What 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 you'll find about fan bases, they'll take if you give them an inch, they'll take you a mile. There's always a reason why it failed, and it never has to do with one team. Only one team can win a championship, and typically, it's just because your team's not good enough. No, but that's the thing is that it's with basketball. I mean, just sports in general. I mean, in NBA, especially NBA playoffs, there are like you can point out key moments in every game that impact the game. But the thing is, is that regardless of what that outcome is, you can pinpoint those moments. And so there's just always things that you nit- you can nitpick apart as a team that loses a game to be able to explain why your team lost without showing all of the things that went in your favor in that exact same game that made you stay in it. And so it's just kind of that funny process of like, you can be as nitpicky as you want, but you could go nitpicky either side, depending on what you're looking for. Yeah, and I do think except I, for those ones that are truly thrown, then there's just it's just complete expulsion by the refs. Well, and I do think quick draft. What are the hardest sports to ref? Basketball and probably well, football. Well, which which official in football? Hmm. Science is deafening. I don't know. That's a hard. That's a hard one for me. Uh, what say? Do you agree that it's basketball and football? I, I think I think NBA ref is probably the hardest uh, sport to ref. Basketball in general, I think college can be really well, tough too because they're just I not think as especially good. just because I feel like NBA rules change so frequently, and well, it's and not the guys, like. And they've gotten so good at embellishing, it's hard to tell yeah. in, in the moment what is a real issue. Well, and that's the thing is, like, you hear all the time with, the like, the announcers. I mean, how many times did they call it out tonight um, in the Lakers uh, Nuggets game where it's like they're saying, like, oh, that was that was just, like, the ref, the ref fell for that one because of the yeah. angle that they have, everything like that. And so it's like you're consistently hearing that from announcers, too, where it's like, the refs not only in basketball have to try and determine what actually happens, but then they also have to try and take out like the reaction from the player. And that just makes it so difficult. So it's so easy to like get angry at them for falling for stuff. But when you're seeing that stuff, not in slow motion, like we are post call, um, it's so much more difficult to make those calls, especially when these guys are like eight foot, like eight feet tall and falling to the ground. It's just, it's harder. I think we don't give the refs enough credit for the amount of calls they're happening to make in really quick transitions. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I do think like you're playing, you're, you are on a court with the 
0.1% of the 1% of athletes in the world. They're so fast, so quick, and doing incredibly difficult things. And there's always collision. And and, and I view it where, so if I, I say, I think NBA ref, I think a baseball umpire with a strike zone, pretty dang hard, uh, I would say. And then the ref in football who has to watch the offensive lines, like the head ump or whatever, because in the NFL, you could call holding on every single play. So knowing which ones are egregious, which ones are, you know, I think that's pretty tough. And, you know, in NFL ref, you also say like the pass interference and stuff has gotten pretty hard as well. But yeah, I think overall ref, refing is hard. And it's hard when a call doesn't go your way to not just be pissed. Like the most famous in the NFL is that that New Orleans Saint Los Angeles Ram NFC Championship game pass interference call. It's hard to imagine that people that they didn't see that, but which I still don't know how they didn't see that. But there's some of them that just don't make sense. Some of them are just wacky, but it's human error. Like there's percentage every time you involve people, there's a percentage of human error that's going to happen. That's why people talk about baseball and how pissed they get at certain ups and uh, you know. But overall, you just have to live with the human error. It's a part of sports. And that bias, if that bias is real, then it's a problem, right? But I highly doubt that the NBA, I would, with how much money is in betting and how much money is in all of that stuff now, if the NBA was any way complicit with, it, with any of this like rigging game stuff, ooh, it would be, that'd be dangerous. That'd be very dangerous. But Aren't exciting. There? It'd make a great documentary. You just think about the Netflix special that we dropped. About. <laughs> that's, that's a different train of thought. I ain't gonna lie to you. <laughs> no, that's okay. Thinking, that's thinking five years ahead for content. That's yeah. kind of fascinating. You always, that's that's what are the crux of our generation. We always got to be thinking ahead about the next content that's going to drop. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, so to redeem myself from last week's, would you rather experience? Oh no, I've got one for you this week. That's better. Okay. Okay. All right. You ready for it? Would you rather have no arms or legs? Oh, <laughs> uh, no arms. <laughs> All right. No, no legs. I'd rather have no legs every day. I think I'd rather have no legs. You too. can get you can get those legs way easier prosthetics. Yeah, than, than arms. Arms. True. Good point. You can't We're replace not... these phalanges. All right. <laughs> okay. Would you rather be deaf or mute? Anyway, what's yours? Okay, would you rather sit courtside at a regular season game or sit in like the high rafters at an NBA finals game and you get to see like game seven? Oh, courtside. Mm. I think it's pretty easy. I honestly... What if it's like courtside between like the Charlotte Hornets and... The New Orleans Pelicans. I still would rather, I still would rather yeah. because having been in, uh, I've been in a number of NBA arenas and, you know, like when I was going to college, we, I went over to a couple of Timberwolves games and being in college, we could only afford the rafters. They're not, they're not awesome. They're not cool. Like, like honestly, you end up watching the big jumbotron and you're like, you know, and if it was like a big game, yeah, I'd rather just be at home to watch like an NBA Finals Game Seven if I'm sitting up in the rafters. 
Yeah. I think too, the problem with the rafters that I've seen is like when I have set up in the rafters, the energy is never as high. No. And so no. it's like, and no. I'm like, I don't know. I've never been like, I've been to playoff games it's sitting in the rafters and still like the energy feels the same as it does in the regular season. Cause people sitting up there just aren't, don't seem to be as invested. I, the question is different. If it's like a, if it's a Viking playoff, like the NBA, like I like the Lakers just cause like I grew up liking them, but I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't say like if they lose, if they lose this series to the Nuggets, I'm not devastated. Like I was so mad that when the Vikings lost the playoff game against the Giants this year, I deleted Twitter for two weeks because I didn't want to read about anything. I was so mad. So if you're telling me like a Viking playoff game in the like up in the nosebleeds, I would take that overseeing because I think that's a really cool experience and it doesn't happen, you know, because if you make the playoffs in the NBA, you're guaranteed a home game. You could make the playoffs four years in a row as a as a fifth seed and never play at home in the NF, in the NFL. So like if you tell me an NFL playoff game versus like row fifty of of just a regular season game, I'd probably take the playoff game because it's a very unique, not very often occurrence for most franchises. So the question is, I, I think is important. But sitting, I mean, you've sat courtside, so oh yeah. But, yeah. A plug for me. Yes. Yeah, no, I think I, would, I think I would take courtside do just because like having done it, like there's nothing like that. It doesn't Is that why you asked the question? No. You just wanted <laughs> people to know segue. you wanted you wanted to just drop that. Like, well, from my experience, because I have done both. <laughs> That was wild. That, was my, I, that literally wasn't the play. You're the one who added that in. Um, but well, there's honestly, no we're gonna answer it like that. What? You had to answer it at some point, no. and there's no way that you weren't going to give that as an example. <laughs> there's no way that you bring it up because you could have, if you would have tried to have been like Switzerland, like neutral about it, but like, Paige, you've done both of them. What's your opinion? <laughs> I was trying to get your honest opinion. So you thought of the as question. So that you as someone make. who's never done either of them, I wanted to know what it would be feel like to be you. Wow. <laughs> it's like, it's like, uh, I don't know. That was, that was wild. I didn't even piece it together, but you just, yeah. Continue to tell us that about how awesome. Was, that literally wasn't Continue. What was game was it? Goal. Did you see the Mavericks? You saw the, you saw the Nuggets, didn't you? No, I saw the Dallas Mavericks. Okay. But it was without, it was without uh, uh, Doncic. Yeah, so Luka it really wasn't play. that cool. Yeah, it wasn't. It was horrible experience. Ten of ten yeah. would not recommend. <laughs> oh no, but I mean, I would choose courtside. You That's just like can't. someone asking. So, would you rather have a private yacht or a private jet? <laughs> You're so dumb. Well, honestly, I have both. <laughs> I don't get much use out of my yacht. The jet is way more practical for my day to day life. It's just, You're so dumb. It's, Okay. Okay. Here's another one that you can stop roasting me for the would you rather's. Would you rather be an average player that has a great reputation? (laughs) We're going back to this. Okay. All right. What great reputation? What is a man? (laughs) Would you ever be an average player with a good reputation or like an incredible player, but you always have like a scandal? Okay, so the second one's John Morant, um, <laughs> who's who's the first person? Are we going in, 
like great reputation, average player. I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, I would I would assume that this again is got to go with number one because like that's just the right thing to say. <laughs> it's like you've done too many interviews for work, and you're just trying to. Is this an like individual person? Like, do you get sick a lot, or do you come in when you have the cold? You're so dumb. That's just <laughs> what what would you do? Do you want to be a great player with a <laughs> shitty reputation? Just <laughs> would you rather be an MVP of the league, but everyone hates you? Or would you rather be the tenth guy on the bench, but you win the humanitarian award? <laughs> you make you make a 10% of the money. Oh geez, I would rather just be that guy. It's not about how much you make. It's about what people think of you. That is what's priceless. Screw you. Goodness. Where are you getting I, these? Are you trying I'm, to make these up on the fly? I'm, I'm done with would you rather. Yeah. That was rough. I brain chopped those the whole Lakers game. I said, I'm going to redeem myself. <laughs> Go back to the drawing board. <laughs> would you rather be in a pool full of spiders or a pool full of scorpions? Uh, what type of spiders? That's Poisonous? Because um, like the scorpions could kill me. Spiders would just tickle me and make me scream. Oh, uh, wouldn't that be so gross? That would be terrible. Oh, oh, yeah. it's like okay, I've got one for you. I've got, okay, this is a good one. All right, we'll end it on this one. Okay. Um, would you rather have to fight a chicken every <laughs> time you got into your car? Every time you got into your car. So that could be multiple times a day. You have to fight a chicken. I, I get in my car a lot. I mean, or, I'm almost double digits daily. Or would you rather have to fight a, a chimpanzee with a sword once a year? Wait, who has the sword? You do. You have the sword. <laughs> Fighting a chimp? I would I would do it once a year. I get in my I get in and out of my truck ten times a day at minimum. I just get exhausted by the chicken. Not that chicken. <laughs> I that would be rough. I know you'd always have little sores from their little peckers. <laughs> I don't know how you're fighting the chicken, but it ain't the right way. That was that was weird. We peck you, you sicko. Wow. Put that on a quote board, post that on the Instagram. That'd be out of context. Wow. Um, yeah, I would fight the the chimpanzee. Did you come up with that one too? No, a guy at work told me that one yesterday. <laughs> What? what was the sword? Why can't I just fist fight the chimp? <laughs> Chimpanzees are pretty aggressive. All right. Okay. This is the last one because I'm sure everyone's tuned this out by now. Um, <laughs> it's gone off the rails. How many, how many fight to the death? How many fifth graders do you think you could, could you kill before they got finally overran you? It's just a flood of fifth graders. <laughs> fifth graders? Yeah. Actually, it's two third graders. Third just graders. A, just what an endless amount of them. Yeah. How many eight-year-olds are getting you? Probably uh, three. Probably, no, probably isn't third grade like they're 10? They're actually oh, 10. That's like eight. Oh, shoot. Eight. What's Camilla in? She's in second. 
Oh, wow. Okay. But how many? I have to kill them? Yeah. Zero. And they're, and they're coming to kill you. <laughs> oh, really? I think I would just lay down and die, honestly, if there was hordes of fifth graders coming at me. Just... I don't know. I think I think I could get a. I I definitely get in the double digits. It just depends how fast they're coming. Can I run away? No. I think I could outrun them. No, they're like enveloping you. Uh, that's just one of my nightmares. I don't know. It depends how fast they are because you know what kind of weapons they got. I don't know. There's. <laughs> I've seen a lot of different scenarios. I've seen like you have a bat. Just. I don't know. I don't know. That's I don't know what the scenario is, to be honest, but I've just heard it. And I thought, well, it just depends how fast they're coming. Because, you know, once you start getting enough people on your back, you're going to fall over and like <laughs> biting at your legs. And like eventually, biting? eventually you will get overrun. Yeah, so, I guess. So just like the chickens. I would just convert them and make them fall in love with me and make me their leader. Wow. And then you have a you have a full army. All righty. Well, that went places. Um, but I didn't think that would go. Uh, any other NBA news? Uh, the Sixers fired Doc Rivers. It's always easier to fire the coach than look at yourself the in the stuff. mirror. Yeah, at the NBA, man, it's just easiest to fire the coach and and appease the players. I think uh, James- John Moran also uh, went on Facebook, uh, Instagram Live with another gun. So I think that's top NBA news as well. Yeah, and then he. Uh, his apology released today looked like Chat GPT had wrote, written it, so that was wild. He just he loves guns. He loves getting on lives with guns. <laughs> the funniest thing about that video was his friend was like, "What are you doing?" Like he he like was dancing with him, flashes it, he sees a gun and puts the phone on his shoulder. Like, what are you doing? So, bless him. Loves guns. Loves flashing them. Um, it's just sad to see a guy who has such incredible talent and he just he's going to be out of the league in two years and he's not going to be able to like be as great as he could be because he's going to make all these stupid mistakes while he's young it is sad absolutely yeah other than that we keep on moving forward nfl uh is moving forward as well a lot of exciting things uh but any closing thoughts before we wrap this one up Paige? no um make sure to like subscribe follow tell your friends um, his and hers podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts but it really helps us out if you are able to follow and subscribe and find us on TikTok we're growing yeah come, come comment a mean comment in our videos and give us feedback about what we should improve see you bye bye